Welcome to the We Shape Podcast. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. It's just us three today, and I'm not going to lie, I'm worried about what Tyler's going to talk about Holy today. cow, it's been a week, hasn't it? I'm, I, we could just talk about good things. <laughs> we could. Or we could talk about challenging things I and know, overcoming them. I know, I know. And I'm how actually, resilient I'm, we I'm all are. normally not always nervous to do podcasts, especially when it's just the three of us, right? Because mm-hmm. we're just... Yeah shooting the shit, but I'm like, oh no, Tyler wants to go deep and talk about some of the challenges we face this week. So I'm going to contribute as much as I can, but I'm not going to lie. It's If you're going there, it's been brutal. Yeah. I mean, it like I said, it's been a crazy week. And sometimes when we do these podcasts, we sit down and say, what do you want to talk about? And I'm always an advocate of letting the conversation unfold. But I, you know, I've literally talked to both of you in the last 24 hours where, where you guys were having like breakdowns. <laughs> and, and And I'm like- Don't we make it look so good though. And I'm like- I'm sitting on the other side going like, wow, th- this is so beautiful. Because whenever we're like facing fear or we're breaking down, that's us like going through the process of reestablishing like who we are and our awareness of ourselves. You know what I mean? And um, it's something that I think people, the moment they try to do something and they, they feel an emotion and they get scared, you want to run away, right? But like literally we're, Nina and I were talking about this this morning, like, um, that's, that's our primal instinct, right? Because mm-hmm. when you put yourself out there, what are you? You're bait, right? You get eaten by the lion, you know what I mean? And that's why we're, we, we innately don't want to put ourselves out there. But so much about life and about um, uncovering who you are and living a really awesome, authentic life is putting yourself out there and yeah. falling flat on your face where and the repeating. growth happens. That's where the growth happens, yeah. So where, I mean, so where I, do you want to start? I don't want to just <laughs> say the face flat. Do you guys want to talk about? I also, you know, so sweet of you to bring up Nina and I. But there was uh, not this last Friday, but the Friday before when it kind of the whole the whole thing started mm. that we're going to talk about. You were not doing well either. So I want to like, <laughs> I want to bring oh, you into yeah. the fold. Bring me into the fold. Let's <laughs> I wanna, do it. I want to, I want to be fair. Yeah, I don't shy away from it. Yeah, I want to be fair. Um, so I know I, I was also like the power went out everywhere except here where we are. And I was like, oh, maybe we won't have to do this episode. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, just, just you have power. So, I mean, you go ahead, Tyler. I, I don't really know where to start. Luckily, I flipped the generators on before we came up here. Yeah. No. No, I mean, so yeah. So I think that, like uh, like I said, we don't have like a a theme or direction to go on this podcast. But I think one of the things that we always try to do is just encourage people to come back to themselves, um, be vulnerable, be real. And so like, you know, sometimes life throws you curveballs, right? Um, I was supposed to go to this big investor meetup last week. And... um, it's actually kind of a little bit ironic because the day before I was supposed to go, I sat down and I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to just not go to this. I'm like tired. I don't want to travel. And I just want to sit in bed all day long and do absolutely nothing. Right. I was just kind of <laughs> feeling burned out. Right. Lo and behold, that night I come down with norovirus. Right. Dun, dun, dun. So I am, you know, I am, I am ejecting things from okay, my body, all directions. It. Censored. Um, <laughs> and it was horrible it was horrible that was over a week ago now and like oh my god or it was a week ago oh my god i have not been laid out that hard in like more than a decade probably i mean i had i had salmonella poisoning like you know in the last couple years that was pretty bad i've had covid that was pretty bad but this one laid me to the point where i don't know if you want to reflect on this katie but like I was like laying in bed and I would just like open my eyes and like the sun would have moved like quite a bit. And I would just close my eyes and open them. I'm like, I'm not like engaging or doing anything. I'm just laying there like practically lifeless for, you know, the whole day afterwards. And then many, many, many times throughout the next few days. So 
Yeah. It was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. It was brutal. Calm. Okay, so then why Katie's remaining calm? Do you want me to just tee this up? You, you can go, go, you go ahead. Here? Yeah, you okay. can go ahead. So why Katie's remaining calm and not saying much right now is because Katie's biggest phobia and probably it's her a, biggest It's a legitimate trigger. phobia. It's a legitimate phobia. This is not phobia. like Katie's yeah. a little anxious. No. No. Is, is, um, is sickness and more so vomiting. It's and vomit mo- specific. Most so me vomiting because specifically you. I am very loud in everything that I do. You're a big man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, while I'm, while I'm just on death's door, Katie is there, um, trembling, doing, doing her best to, you know, take care of me and the children and while having around, a significant panic while attack. having like these significant, um, you know, panics and experiences. So I don't know if you want to speak to anything here. Well, it, no? we have to rewind a little bit. Yeah. So you were the second person to get sick. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah. So our, since we've had children, I've always had issues with vomit ever since I was probably very little. Um, it was, I think it, I think I can trace it back to my brother being sick all the time and as a result of his illness, he would throw up a lot. So that's the only kind of logical experience that I can trace back. But a lot of his illness when he was growing up was like emergency illness. Like yeah. he was hospitalized 14 times before the age of uh, three years old. Uh, the ambulance was at our house multiple times per month. Right. Right. So like he um, had a lot of breathing problems and asthma and various things. And the doctors told my mom, like, you can you my mom was a single mom at the time. And they said, you can hire a nurse to be with him while you go to work or you can be with him. Those are the only choices. And um, so he needed round the clock care. And I was only 22 months older than him. So it was very hard for me to really understand what was going on. Two year old and like a baby. right? Yeah. And for, so, you were probably going through that for several years. Yeah. Right? He didn't really come out of that. Um, until he was about four and a half or five, where it was like wow, way more stability. Even in his 20s, he was hospitalized. Yeah. So it's not like he ever fully came out of it, but in terms of life-threatening every week emergency, yeah. um, we didn't really come out of that for about five years. So, so what I'm hearing you say right there, and this is an important starting point, is like all of us face challenges and traumas when we're kids, and then we start to hardwire those things, and those things become this loop inside our bodies that becomes like phobia or irrational um, thoughts about things or it just starts to like condition us um, out of that fear because we're so we're it was it impacted us so much right yeah no I I think that I was conditioned that when somebody was ill it was an emergency because it was right he would my mom would be you know going about just being at home and would look over at him and he would be blue yeah. Like he would just stop breathing. Yeah. And so, like I said, the ambu- I remember the siren, like the ambulance was just at our house all the time. And um, so that was a lot for, a, for me to process and not really fully understand. And so my body really held on to that, I think. And so uh, it kind of faded as I got older. And then when I had kids, it kind of all came back. Yeah. And um, the first time I really realized how significant the, this vomit specific phobia was, was when our first child was six months old. So this was about 10, almost 10 years ago. And we got food poisoning. And you went down so violently. Like it was like, like in, in, it was like a movie. And I remember thinking, okay, I would say I would rate this phobia a six and then post my experience with you and having a baby at the time, it was like a 10. It was like, I can never go through that again. Like my body feels, and it's so silly. So this is the, this is the part that I have the hardest time with talking about this because it feels silly that this is my problem. But it's when you're experiencing it, it's very real. It's like when somebody has a spider phobia and then you're like, it's just a spider. But like for that person, their body can't so understand yeah. it. You can't yeah. regulate it. So a it. lot of my challenge in this is 
literally offering myself kindness and grace. I like am learning how to do that because a lot of the time I'm just like, let it go. It's just vomit. Like it's not a big deal. Like those are the thoughts in my mind, but my body is like, you cannot let it go. So anyway, 10 years passed. At this point, we've had two children. And for some reason, we have not gotten food poisoning or neurovirus in our home in 10 years. Like, I don't know if the universe was just like, (laughs) we're going to give you a little pass. We're going to give you everything else. But with this particular one, we're going to hold space for you. And so... um, It was just saving it for the right time. I think everything (laughs) in the universe is about timing. It knows when the timing is right. So about 10 days ago, uh, your parents had our younger daughter and uh, they texted us, you have to come pick her up. She's thrown up three times. So I have... The way that these phobias work is you... I process a lot of data in my mind. If it's a one-off throw up, it could be anything. But if you have a pattern of vomiting, then it's a virus, like a norovirus. So right when they told me she had thrown up three times... I instantly panicked and the thing that was hard for me was that I did feel like in the last 10 years I've actually done some therapy and processed this like quote unquote phobia um, in a way that allowed me to take it down a little bit but it was like from the outside of our home, right? So in the past, if someone outside of my house had a stomach illness, I would panic and over the last 10 years I've been able to take a a, a step back from that panic. So I'm like, I've made progress in my vomit phobia. This is wonderful. (laughs) And then when we got that text that she had thrown up three times and the school had sent an email that there was stomach virus. So I like knew that that's what was going on. I, I literally went into a panic attack for eight days. I didn't eat food. I think I had half a meal to maybe one full meal in eight days. Like I physically couldn't eat. Like you could not get me to eat. I could not eat food because my body, my brain, it was all illogical. If you eat and you, you will have more to throw up. So you cannot throw up a lot of food. And I knew how irrational it was. And it was so crazy for me to know this is not rational. This is not logical. And your body will absolutely not allow anything else. And I have another friend um, who has a vomit phobia as well. He, He doesn't live by us, but I texted him. I said, my child just went down with norovirus. And he said, you have two choices right now. You can go somewhere else and get away from it. It sounds like your husband's very supportive and can deal with it. Or you can take a step towards it. If you go away, I will warn you that you're not, this is not a step towards healing it. So you have to decide what you feel like you need to do. And I had to make a tough call in that moment. I mean, I remember just like breaking down with one of my friends on the phone. Like, what do I do? Tyler's in the next room. Like, she's vomiting. She vomited like 20 times that night. And I said, I'm going to take a step towards it. So I'm going to figure out what feels comfortable for me. And so I let you deal with the vomit. Um, but I, my, my phobia was like, okay, who's next? Is it you? Is it Tyler? Which I was most afraid of. Is it going to be the older daughter? Like who's going down next? And so I just sat in panic waiting for eight days and it was, it was a very surreal experience. I've never experienced that level of fear. And it, I'm like, I think this is why I didn't want to talk about it because I feel like it's silly. Like, I feel like this is not a real problem, but for some reason, my body could not, could not interpret that situation out of... You're bringing up something so powerful that I think it's important for people to realize is like, when we go through our daily life, we make the assumption that the majority of our actions that we're taking are happening out of our free will, right? We're saying, I want to do this, and so I'm going to do that. And we like acting out of free will. But the reality of the situation is that like a ridiculous amount of our actions are based out of conditioning. Right. And where does conditioning come from? 
It comes from emotional experiences. We store the things in our minds and our bodies that are very challenging or very pleasurable, right? The more challenging or the more joyful it is, the more likely we are to remember that because it's our body's way of saying, avoid this and seek that, right? And so you had this tra traumatizing experience as a kid and it's, it's stuck with you and it pokes its ugly head here and it shoots out there and it doesn't have to be rational. Like, I think everybody could probably relate to an experience where something happens and you're completely irrational about it. I have, I have a weird one with, um, with dogs on the road because we had our uh, dog when uh, our daughter was about to be born, ran in the street and got ran over. And it was like a horrible experience. You were like one week away from giving birth and I'm sitting there like scraping our animal off the street. It was like really, really sad for me. And so I still have these um these like loops where I'll see like, you know, a dog kind of by the street or, or my kids. And now I, now I extrapolate that onto my kids and I get really nervous by roads. Right. And it's just, it's challenging experiences like that. So don't, first of all, I just like anybody listening and you, Katie, don't beat yourself up. Like, well, I think these so are, what happened was, was when you went and picked her up and then you brought her home, yeah. I said, I'm going to go get in the hot bath and see if I can get my body grounded a little bit. And I couldn't. Yeah. And um, I knew that I was like, what, what's going to happen? Like, you're in full panic in a way that I had never been in panic before. And um, my, uh, our, my other best friend called me and I kind of just like, like, I feel really safe, you know, with, with her. And, and I just kind of let it all out. And then I told her, like, I hate this part of myself. Yeah. And, and she said, that is not going to help you. Yeah. And so I think I don't like mm. to talk about it because I feel like it's stupid. And I think that I'm just going to assume that people won't have compassion for it, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is real. And um, that was a good way for me to go into it. Like, and so that's what I tried to do the whole time was just like the minute the critic came in and said, this is stupid, like get over it. I tried to say this is happening and this is a real experience for you and see if you can hold kindness for yourself. And so if there's any message that I can deliver is that we're typically raised in a culture where we are asked to do more or be better or do this or do that. And I think a lot of people struggle with an inner critic who is not kind to themselves. So my hope for this episode is that people can just pause and when they're struggling, just offer themselves kindness because it's very, that's like the first step. And it was like my friend said on the phone, she said, you can't walk into this with your inner critic turned up that loud. The first step is you're gonna have to accept that this is what's happening. You've made a decision to not run away from it, which is great but you are going to have to offer yourself kindness because if you go into this saying that you hate this part of yourself and that you think this is dumb, it's gonna make it 10 times worse and it's gonna actually be harder on you. So I did try to hold space for myself, but it is hard to yeah. do that when I feel like, because nobody wants to feel like a weak person. Do you know what I mean? And I think the experience like really humbled me and made me just feel like I was a weak person. Like, like you're, you can't even handle your child getting norovirus. Like this is like what's wrong with you kind of thing. And so. See, I see it in a different way because I was clear headed, except for when I got it. But when, the, when <laughs> our daughter got it, I saw it differently. Uh, to me, processing trauma is challenging. It means not running away from the feelings, but leaning into them. It means allowing yourself to feel the fear, to feel the pain that you've experienced maybe when you were younger and going through that and then getting comfortable with that flowing through you because it's probably never going to go away. But yeah. your ability to look at it and say, I see you 
I see the fear, I see the trauma, I see you coming through me and be able to exist in your life with it only happens by working with it and working through it. If you run away, it's just, it's just a mulligan for another day. Well, that's what you happened know? is that I feel like for so long with this phobia, I've been able to almost laugh it off. Like, oh, I have a vomit phobia. But when it came into our house, I felt completely powerless. I felt like I couldn't hide emotion or feelings if I wanted to. And in a way, when I look back on that, I do feel like this idea of holding it all together and not just letting it out is really probably not healthy for the human body. And so what that experience forced me to do, because trust me, I didn't want to do it, was it allowed me to kind of just like break. Yeah. Like I felt like broken open and vulnerable in a way that I've never felt. And I've had some very serious things happen with very close people suddenly dying in my life at young ages, like multiple times. Like I've had some, and for some reason in those circumstances, I really held it all together and stepped up in a way that probably wasn't healthy when I look back, right? Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, my body I think was just tired of holding on. And it was like, you're not gonna hold on anymore and you're gonna think this is silly, but this phobia is gonna come out and we're gonna force your body to let it all out in a way that you never have before. And I was worried that I was gonna, because I felt like so powerless and so raw and vulnerable that like the people around me were gonna be like, oh, we don't do this, Katie. And it was, I, I think I was afraid to like, but I didn't have a choice. It was, and so in a way I have gratitude because I completely fell apart. Yeah. And the people who are the closest to me just continue to hold me. And um, I have a lot of gratitude for that. That's powerful. And you said yeah. something really powerful. I just want to like reiterate this because anybody listening to this is probably just relating to this from their own experiences that they feel trapped in sometimes. Their phobias, their fears, their traumas, etc. And um, this is my belief. I don't think anybody has ever processed or healed trauma by telling themselves, I don't like this part about myself or um, just tough it out. Like get over it. Right. Yeah. All you're doing is opening this box. You know, I have this n analogy that I talk with my daughter about. And I say, when we have uh, an emotional experience, we have an opportunity to feel it and let it run through our bodies. And then it doesn't stay. And we just experienced it. Or if we run away from it, we create a black box in our body. And so what you were doing is you were doing the hardest work there is. You were opening up a black box, a real big one, that's really fucking scary, right? And when you open those boxes, all kinds of stuff comes out and it's fear and emotions and stuff like that. And you have a choice at that moment. You can close the door and you can run away and have to fight that fight another day. Or you can open that door wide open and just let it flow through you. And the black and, boxes tend to get bigger over time. Oh is man, my don't awareness they? Of yeah, them. It's, it's and like, harder to um, open up, right? I've known you for a long time and I feel like what, you know, that, that phobia of yours has only grown in the years you arguably weren't having to face it. Yeah. You had a break from it in that it wasn't an experience that was happening in your life in the day to day. But like as the time passed, it actually kind of like got a little stronger mm -hmm. while it wasn't being dealt with. And like feelings have that ability, like they get squished and compacted and then they kind of like start to like collapse in on themselves and gain mass and gravity yeah. and yeah. intensity. And like that's how trauma in my experience works kind of is the sooner you deal with it or the, the tools you have to deal with it, like help chip away at the boogie monster yeah. and the shadow kind of shrinks down from being as tall as a building to, oh, this is a shadow and it's scary and I can, I can face it. Yeah, and I, and I feel like, I think the reason I was almost hoping we wouldn't talk about it today is because again, I just feel like it's silly, right? Like from a logical perspective, this is very silly to be afraid of something like that. Um, but it was an experience that took me, 
you know, just like made me really surrender to a lot. And it, it's silly that I've had much, you know, quote unquote, like bigger things in my life that have been life altering. And I've been able to manage those better for some reason. And I, so I don't know why the universe wants this to be my thing, but it does. And um, it was really humbling to just say, you know, I, I think the other thing that I really took away from it was that like, it's really okay to take care of yourself. And that was really hard for me to do. You know, our older daughter has a lot of extra challenges and needs, and I constantly am on top of her care and her um, whatever it might be. And it's like if I could execute even a fraction of that care for my own self in, in situations like this, it would have also given me more tools, right? So like I, um, I have therapy twice a month, and I happen to have therapy in the middle of this. So I went in for my session and my therapist was like, oh, some, something's happening. And I kind of, you know, told her what was going on. And she said, oh, you know, I partly picked this therapist because she made me uncomfortable. <laughs> because um, I just feel like if you're going to do therapy, pick the person who is going to make you kind of deal with some stuff. Do the work. And she is very, very nurturing and does a lot of inner child. And that's very uncomfortable for me because mm. I'm the nurturer, right? So when you're the nurturer, it's hard to be nurtured. Yeah. And she was like, and she went right into it. And I was like, here we go. I Maybe I shouldn't have come here. She said, I'm going to wrap you in a blanket. I love that. And I also <laughs> would feel so uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, no. But I was just so like, and she's like, I'm going to put you on the couch. And I'm going to take care of you. And I went. I, I, Didn't she give you a stuffed animal? She gave me a oh. stuffed animal. Oh, my God. Yeah. I oh love her. She was like, I'm going to do some inner child work with you. And I'm going to take care of you. And your only job is to receive care right now in this blanket, in this cocoon. And I was like, mm. I'm deeply uncomfortable, but also need this. What do I? It was just, it was like one moment after the next of me it's just like. how those things can be so hard. I, it was. And I knew, like, kind of, I subconsciously knew going into her that if I opened up and said what was going on that week that she was gonna go to these other places that made me feel uncomfortable. But that is the kind of work she does and that is the reason I chose her because I felt like she would make me uncomfortable and that discomfort would cause me to grow a little bit. But yeah, it is, and it's hard to be vulnerable in a public setting like this, like yeah. it, again, cause it does feel really silly that that is a thing that I have, but it is a part of who I am. And some people are gonna probably take it and some people are gonna leave it and I just have to be accepting of that as well because this is just a part of who I am and I've tried to make it not be me for so long that I'm almost exhausted of that. We all have this though. This is the thing I'm trying to like it hit It comes on. in a different shape, but everybody's I can, got I can it. Still feel the, I can still feel how much you wanna minimize this because it's quote unquote silly, you know? And I think that everybody has their things that are these traumatic loops and like what I'm proud of you for is that in that moment, I'm like, whatever you need, I'm here for it. And you said, I'm gonna stay here. And I was like, frankly, I was really surprised. I was like, whoa, you're gonna stay here. And even though you were like 10 feet away and like shaking while you were staying there, it was like a really big step in the right direction. Because again, processing trauma, processing these conditioning loops, these irrational fears that we have, means looking at the problem right in front of you and making the hard choice of facing it. Yeah. That's the harder choice. The easier choice is to call yourself a wuss and like run away, you know what I mean? And that's such a common thing. And it's, I think it's also, people should know that it's okay to know when you have limits. It's okay yeah. to not say, I'm gonna process this right now even though I don't want to. It's okay right. to be like, dude, I can't do this not right today. now. Yeah. Not today. But there's gonna be a point, especially if you're someone who has this mindset towards, um, you know, trying to uncover the truest sense of yourself and grow and continue to grow, that you're gonna have to face some stuff that's really hard. 
And when you face that stuff, um, it's important to not to not look at yourself and say, this is stupid, yeah. right? It's, it's to look at yourself from the outside perspective and have a whole lot of compassion and kindness for yourself and say like, oh, I'm really suffering right now and this is really hard for me and I feel out of control. And then, like you had mentioned, hopefully have a network around you to hold you through that. And then, at least in my belief is, you've now taught your nervous system that when this happens, you can be held through it. Yeah. You'll survive through it. Well, I told my friends, so what happened was, is we were kind of at the end and then I think I got a little bit of it, but I wasn't vomiting. And um, I, I told myself like, you're creating this rule this like compulsion, this rule that you can't eat until it's been a certain number of hours where you're in the clear. And if you follow that rule, then the compulsion wins, right? And so I was like, you have to break the rule. So I was like, I'm gonna eat dinner. So I ate dinner and then I went into debilitating stomach cramps and thought I was gonna throw up. So then I called my friend, the first friend that I had called that day. And I said, um, well, before I called her, I said, the only way I'm gonna be able to do, like be in this moment right now with this level of nausea is in panic is that I'm gonna have to go walk outside for a little while and you were like it's nighttime we live in the middle of downtown please do not go walk outside so then I called my friend and I was like can I come walk in your neighborhood and she's like I will walk with you around the block a hundred times if you need to and I it took me like 10 minutes to send her the message because I was like I can't contact her again like I've already talked to her about this for eight days like she's probably so sick of hearing this but I for something in me just finally sent the message and she said come over so I met her and we walked in the dark at like nine o'clock at night for maybe an hour and a half until I felt like I was feeling a little better. And I said, I just feel like I'm taking up all the air and I don't like that feeling. And I, I don't want your life with me and, as our, and our friendship in the last eight days to only be talking about this phobia. This seems like I just I hate being this person who's bringing this to you. And she just continued to hold space for me. And so did Nina. Like I was calling her every day. Just continued to say, it's okay. We're here for you. It's not going to last forever. Like it's only temporary, but I know it feels like, like there was just a lot of like, we're going to validate your experience. But it was very uncomfortable for me to even go and say, I am suffering right now. And I know this is silly, but like this is what's happening. But it was such a reminder that like, even when you feel that way, it doesn't mean that you have to act on those feelings. So I didn't feel like I could text her and say, will you walk with me? I didn't feel like I could call Nina again for the fifth time that day. And I just did. And through that process, I was held in a very special way through people who deeply cared about me. And I sort of disproved my narrative that I'm going to annoy these people or that I'm too much for them. And um, that was a really important lesson for my brain to say, you can be held by other people. Other people care about you regardless of how silly your, your issue is. And um, so I'm, I, it is interesting that I went through that. And I think in the sense that if I could take it back, I wouldn't mm. because I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for knowing that I could have this, um, what would be perceived as a very silly problem to some people. You and gotta stop saying. That. I know, but I'm just saying, like, it could be perceived <laughs> that it's way. It's still in progress. Hold, hold on. Yes. I, gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut you off here. I'm so sorry. Like, people need to understand this, and this is so important. Your greatest pain is your greatest pain, and that stands true for every single person on the planet. For one person, it's watching their family get killed in front of their eyes. For another person, it's not getting the pony they wanted on their 13th birthday. The pain is is still there for both people. 
it's the greatest pain they've ever experienced. I know, but I right? play the comparative suffering game. And, and I, comparative suffering <laughs> is just going to cause more suffering. Comparative anything and really that's what that's, that's what we need up. to do. We need to look at people who are having a challenging experience and we need to hold compassion for them. And that what that does is it teaches them to hold compassion for themselves. We learn how to love by the way we were taught to love by our caregivers. And if we were never taught compassion and unconditional love, which is no one basically, <laughs> right? Then we have to continue to find community and relationships that can do our best to offer that to each other so we can start to learn what that feels like inside. I know that because I felt really alone in the past. I felt really rejected. I felt really, really low in those places. And I didn't know how to hold myself. I didn't even know why I didn't know how to hold myself. And it took a lot of work to figure out, oh, that's what feeling held feels like, you know? And you learn that from the people around you. It's yeah, so important. It's true. I mean, yeah, like I was saying, though, I do have gratitude because I feel like it allowed me to learn how to create space for myself, how to truly lean on the community of people who were around me and how to face something that was hard for me. And uh, so I do have gratitude, even though I feel like it was a really intense, it felt like a year. I felt like I was in that for a year. Um, but we, you know, you come out the other side of these things and you learn a lot about yourself, I think is, is the moral of the story. And yeah, I, I just have so much gratitude for the community of people who were like, it's okay, we, we're here for you. Nope, so no problem. Good. It's so important to look into that and just make sure that you have the people around you. I mean, that's why, you know, we're talking a lot about personal stuff and stories. And by the way, I just want to like thank you for openly and willingly sharing that. It could be just as easy like we talked about to run away and not share it. But I guarantee that somebody listened to this today and was like, oh, there's my fear that I judge myself for that I, that I don't want to face that is going to pop up in my life one day. And by hearing this, they're going to give themselves uh, permission to feel it, permission to lean on other people. And they're not going to feel as afraid because they know that every single person gets triggered by things in their lives that are related to their trauma. And that's the way through it, right, is yeah. going through it, right, processing it, experiencing it, not letting it take you down, not running away from it, right? So, so thank you for that. Um, I forgot what I was going to say next, but I don't know. Do you feel like you want to touch on anything? I don't know. I mean, I could, I guess. I, I think know. that what you've said has been so powerful, and it really highlights a point that um, we have to learn tools. We don't always get born with the tools to be able to show up for experiences like that, and our body kind of like sometimes hijacks the situation, and you just have to like show up because there's no other option. Like, um, And I guess mine is you know something similar in that I kind of was going – I should backtrack a little bit, I guess, and explain, but um, – I am in the process of trying to maybe buy a house, which is really exciting and also really scary and brings up a lot of stuff. And I come from a background that uh, had very a lot of scarcity in, yeah. and um, not a lot of like financial stability, particularly. And um, no one there's in my family probably a couple people listening that can yeah relate. they might relate right that <laughs> happens you know it's it's a thing. And um, my I come from a family that has you know no one in our family has ever owned property. And um, so part of me feels like this dream is like not a dream that can be actualized. And um, and like the debt thing, it really freaks me out. I, I come from a place where debt is like a really bad thing. Like you yeah. could lose it all. Life could fall apart at the seams. And my fear in that when you know, when asked this morning, actually, Tyler came over and was like, what's what's the worst that could happen? And I'm like, I could, you know, end up losing everything. And um, and like when I really dived into that, it, it's not actually true. Right. Mm. Like I actually am even if I were to end up in a situation that was unmanageable, like I actually still have other options. But mm -hmm. like the fear was like, I felt like I was like gonna die. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, again, it's a, this trauma response. It's not a place where I'm like logically making mathematical choices. I'm like, my nervous system is activated. My heart is racing. I'm sobbing. Like, I feel like I can't make this decision. I don't know what to do. And um, 
to be able to be held by a friend and talked to and shown like you will actually be okay like to be and then to believe that um those are things my nervous system doesn't want to tell me like the friendship has to hold that the like partnership of course with my husband like the willingness to talk about it and then of course today i have tools that i use to like try to show up in moments like that where i practice curiosity around my fear what where is this really coming from and and what is this connected to so i can like kind of put those puzzle pieces together i did some prayer and some meditation that really really helped and i choose to believe that the universe is like holding me and i'm gonna make it and that i probably won't die i think for me the fear always feels like i'm going to die that's when you and, know that's when you know this is coming from a deep traumatized right. place you're like this is isn't... when the fear feels really irrational or disproportionate <laughs> mm-hmm. to the situation like yes. that's when you know this is something that got laid in you when you're very young and if you want to unwind it you've got to just you've got to go sometimes your feelings make you feel like that like for sure you're like i can't feel that feeling because if i do i will crumble into pieces well and Mm. that's and i just want to share that like you know you're in you're in the middle of your pregnancy i am and i think that when uh, a woman is carrying a baby and carrying a baby for the first time it's a transition in your identity it's a tra- huge transition in your life and i think it makes you extra vulnerable super which yeah is, which is also <laughs> like of course the perfect time for stuff like this to come up yes right because it's like you're already primed for having to have something like this come in so so giving your uh, you know giving yourself kindness just like you told me um yeah, look and at how easy it is for you to give to her advice <laughs> i mean just i'm just gonna like repeat back what you told me over the last eight days like yeah. you're safe you can eat a meal yeah. um and so i i think yeah same to you like just giving yourself grace you're like growing a human being and you're yeah. extra vulnerable and and you don't have hard. to do it all like you're saying like it's okay to show up and give yourself care like it's it's maybe not the best time when I'm about to have a baby in three months to also try to be as financially leveraged as I could possibly be. Maybe those things don't go together right now. And yeah. that's like totally okay. Like there are more options. And like, I'm so privileged to be able, able to even be talking about this as an opportunity in my life. I realize that. And like, that's okay. Maybe there's another house someday that isn't the one that we wanted for this time. Yeah. And maybe there's another opportunity that looks different. And I don't have the plan. But like, you know, we joke sometimes in my friend group about like, you know, if we could see the, we have one puzzle piece in front of us. And I'm like, well, it's pink. So it's probably a part of this big picture. But like, even if I had the box of what like the picture of my life is going to look like, I still wouldn't be able to comprehend the puzzle and put it all together like the way that it's designed to go. There's things that are going to happen and shape my experiences and like the river that I'm flowing along with. And I kind of have to listen, get in my boat and strap in and (laughs) reach out to my friends and have support and and like use those tools to help me navigate when the fear gets so big that like your heart starts racing and you're thinking you're not going to make it because so far my batting average is pretty decent you know and I think think that's true for a lot of us I told you this this morning but I think it's so important to like when you're feeling that I know it's irrational but it's also okay sometimes to go to like the worst case you know like if you go to the worst case and you can sit in the acceptance of the worst case then you've already kind of been there. You've already kind of been to the darkest place that something can take you. And like, you know, I'll give you an example. I was sharing this with Nina this morning. You know, she was talking about buying this house and I'm so worried. And I'm like, you know, when when Katie and I were starting to run businesses and stuff, um, there's a lot of challenges, there's a lot of risks. Still, we take a lot of risks and challenges, especially like with WeShape. This is like a brand new thing. It's flying against the grain. Um, we have put this our is the biggest risk. We've ever taken. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. I was it's about to be like, risk. you guys. Right? But you know where I go? And Katie hates this, by the way, but I'm just going to say it. Where I go is like, let's pretend that everything falls apart, right? Okay, sorry, crew. I'm we just still wondering. have each other. Yeah, we other. love everybody. I've got a crew out the here. The team's no, like, no, what we're, the we're doing fuck? Okay. But let's pretend that everything falls apart. You're going to worst case. Okay. What's the worst case scenario? Would I got to go hang out at Mimi and Pops' house or Grandma and Grandpa's house? 
like the reality they is they don't that, want us moving <laughs> <to that>. yeah <laughs> but I'm just trying to note. point out that the reality is is like sometimes the worst case scenario isn't really as bad as it might seem especially when you're in these irrational situations but yeah um I don't know I think I think it's helpful sometimes to go there for some people maybe some people it's well not. I think it's just decide, it's, it's di- and I, I think it's just differentiating between I'm in a space of fear and reaction yeah. And so this may not be the best time for me to make a decision, yeah. right? Yes. Like last week I had to say, you're not making decisions this week because mm. you can't make decisions. It's a good tool. And so just understanding that, right? So like if we operated, we shape out of that fear <laughs> that it's all going to go down, we would make very different decisions than we do if we're in a space of like, yeah, we know that that's the risk, but what's the best thing for this company and for the customer experience, yeah. right? And for the team. And so it's it, it's not pretending that that risk isn't there and, and saying it's not happening. It's acknowledging that it's there and understanding where your decision making is coming from. And if you're in a space of fear, that's okay. It's just important to recognize maybe that's not the place that we're gonna make the decision from. Mm-hmm. And so it's not shutting it out, but it's just acknowledging and accepting it for what it is and offering, like again, my big lesson this week was like, how can I offer myself kindness and compassion because my inner critic really thinks that this is insane and like does not want to offer you any kindness or compassion for this and um and i know probably all of us on some level suffer with an inner critic that wants to tell us that we're not good enough and if i had if we all had enough self-worth we probably wouldn't even have this podcast so um which would be great i mean that would be that would be my world wish is that we all have enough self-worth and act from that space right yeah um, so anyway, I yeah. just, I think it's just so beautiful what you guys are talking about. Just like the facing these fears and ultimately looking at yourself in the mirror and going like, wow, there's so much of me that wants to choose self judgment and choosing to lean into like self love instead. Right. I know we say that a lot and it's hippy dippy for people, some people, but like, um, when you take a moment to have compassion for those sides of yourself that you don't like. That's the real work. It's so easy to appreciate yourself for the things that are great about you. <laughs> but it's really hard to look at the things that you you messed up in your life or that you you have a you struggle with greatly and say, I'm still going to have gratitude and compassion for that experience. Like you're lovable there too. Yeah. yeah, you're lovable there too. Like one of my favorite things when we do bigger coaching calls and I get to meet new people and they're asking questions that are kind of related to that self-confidence thing is just to look at someone in the eyes and say, you don't have to do anything to be loved. Right. You don't have to do anything to be deserving of love. You can be messed up. You can have all the phobias and traumas and everything in the world. You could have made every mistake in the world. You could have done bad things to people. It doesn't mean you're not deserving of love. And when somebody really sits into that, oh man, it changes their whole world. It changes their whole world. Because I mean, you have to practice vulnerability, right? Our culture doesn't teach that. It doesn't always accept that. Uh, but I think that vulnerability is is part of the human experience, and it's a lot. Being vulnerable allows us to take a step, in my opinion, towards greater self worth. Yes. yes. And so locking it all in doesn't help. I think is the message yeah. of this podcast, and leaning on people who can offer you safety and support and care while you open that black box, regardless of what that black box is, and and dropping the comparative suffering and um, offering yourself kindness. And here's the great thing that I think can come from this, and I think we should end it on this. My ability to lean into that silly fear that I thought was irrational, which it is, uh, is actual, and receiving the kindness and compassion for my community has now opened my, myself to greater compassion and kindness for other as well. 
Oh, no matter what their experience is. Yeah. Right. So like oh. I have a lot. I, I always felt like, oh, I have a lot of kindness and compassion for people. And I feel that even more than before. Oh. Right. Like I think sometimes I actually am like, oh, no, it's hard for me to watch people suffer because I feel a lot of empathy and I feel like it's really intense. Um, and so sometimes I think I'm afraid to open my heart up even more because I'm like, I, I feel so much. And um, what I learned is that like there's always more room for kindness and compassion, even though the messages around us tell us that being vulnerable is weak and this and that. But the reality is I actually feel more worthy now than I did a week ago. And I feel more available to give kindness and compassion to other people through my own silly experience. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and going so deep on that. That was amazing. And I just, I love the lesson today, you know, just be vulnerable, be authentic, make sure you have community, right? If you're looking for a community, that's, um, that's a space, safe space where you can be vulnerable. We got you. Come check it out. Come <laughs> check out WeShape. I love getting on calls with our, our community and, and just letting people be themselves. I mean, a lot of people I think don't feel like they have a safe space for that. And so they don't have an opportunity to even process their vulnerabilities and their, and their pain with people because nobody can really receive that. And I would love to hear from people if you have a fear that you're you know, afraid of conquering or have conquered or don't forget, you can always send us an email at podcast at weshape.com. We love hearing from people. So uh, yeah, send us an email. Let us know if there's anything that you relate to or want to share with us, and we'll talk about it on the air, hopefully. That'd be awesome. Uh, one more thing. I know we never do this, but I feel like we should start doing this, right? Which is like, if, if this episode touched you at all, can you drop us a review, right? Oh, drop us a review. We never ask for We've reviews. never asked for a review. We're like, yeah. well, yeah, we need to we get some reviews should do on this that. thing. Yeah. So <laughs> we would love a review. If, if this was helpful at all, you know, we'd really appreciate you guys. Just this feels a like the scariest to... episode for me to I ask know. for a review, yeah. but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, All hey, right. that's that's really uh, acting on your vulnerability, yeah. though. So yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.